All right, if you have your Bibles, you want to have those, uh, we're going to be in the New Testament today. We're starting a book of Philippians, a series on Philippians. Uh, I know when I do these types of things, normally they turn into years. I promise you this one's only going to be about eight, nine weeks. That is a promise from the pulpit, and don't we know I never lie. So, um, Philippians, and we've entitled it, Dear, fill in the blank, you're going to put your name in there, Love God. We've entitled it this way because as we walk through the Christian life and we live by the words of the Bible, we have to understand, as hard as it is, to understand that these words were written with you and me in mind. This is not just a historical text. It is the living word of God for here and now. That's hard for some of us to grasp, but it's the truth. It speaks life into barren places. It shines light into the darkness. Hebrews 4, verse 12, it says, For the word of God, it is alive. Everybody say alive. And say active. Do you believe it? It's alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Have you noticed you can read a passage a hundred times and a hundred times you get something different from that passage? Absolutely. It speaks differently to you because the Holy Spirit is alive and the Holy Spirit is in you. And the Holy Spirit is in this word. And the Holy Spirit actually illuminates the word to us. He helps us. The Holy Spirit is actually, His job is to teach us, to train us, to point us to Jesus. One of the ways He does that is through the Word of God. And life spring, I just pray that the Bible will become more than a book to us. If I have freak out moments in my life, one of the freak out moments I have in my life is that people are not reading their Bibles. And it's hard because when I say read your Bibles, it just sounds like I'm telling you to be really legalistic and do, you know, something as, uh, you know, like re- make sure you read your Bible. I don't want you to try harder to read your Bibles. I just want you to love Jesus and love God, fall in love with Him. As you fall in love with Him, you're actually going to want to spend time with Him. And one of the best ways to spend time with God is with His Word. It is a love letter to you. Fall in love with God. Open up His Word. Allow Him to speak His love over you. If you don't know where to turn, when you're reading the Bible, often when I talk to people, I say, read your Bible, and you get um, kind of encouraged and inspired to read your Bible, and what do you do? You open up to page one, and you get to Genesis. And Genesis is great. All of the Bible is good. But, I mean, if and a good Hebrew would <laughs> go through Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and that would be awesome, but I would encourage you, let's start with Jesus. Now, the Old Testament is wonderful and awesome, and we preach and teach a lot from the Old Testament. But if you're just really gung-ho about learning about Jesus, I would like you to start probably in the New Testament. New Testament is the New Testament because of Jesus and what Jesus has done for us. And there's four Gospels, four uh, accounts of Jesus' life on this earth, his death and his resurrection, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Jump into there. If you want to hear about the early church and like what was it like back in the day, jump into the book of Acts, book of the Acts will probably freak you out a little bit if you've never read anything from the Bible because they do some pretty crazy things. The same crazy things that I think we can do today. Amen. I was praying the other day. I was kind of stressed out. Guess what? I get stressed out every once in a while. It was just one of those moments where I needed the closeness of God. Right? Like in the cosmos and all that is, the, the, the universe that goes on and on and on with life. And eternity and all the things that I don't understand, I needed the closeness of God. So I said, Lord, I need you to speak to me. I need you to be what you say you are. So I prayed. I put the Bible in my hands. I asked the Holy Spirit to come alive. You ever done that? Just grab the Bible. My dad always told me, never read the Bible without first praying. Lord, speak to me. The other thing you'd say is, and then whatever he tells you to do, do it. Which That's a good thing to 
pray before you actually open it up. Sometimes we like to read it and then survey whether we're really going to do it or not. But my, my dad always said, no, pray beforehand. Uh, I'll do whatever you say. So here's, I'm reading the Bible, intimate time with the Lord. He's close to me and he highlights the verse. As if he had a yellow highlighter, he highlights a verse. Luke chapter 12, verse 15. Oh, look at the love of God on display. He says, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. (laughs) Dear Dan, watch out. (laughs) Dan, be on your guard. Dan, I, I, no, 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 against all kinds of greed. All kinds, Dan, your life, Dan, Danny, your life consists much more than what you have, right? Your, your life is much more than your possessions. Love God. <laughs> and I just began to cry, I began to weep, because that was exactly what I needed to hear. The Lord was speaking. The Lord is speaking. Do you believe that? Do you believe this is a precious gift, a gift to be opened with awe and wonder what God might want to tell you? You might not like to hear what he wants to tell you, but he wants to tell you something that's for your good. And it comes from a good, good father. The Lord is speaking and it's his living word. And I just want to encourage you to the the Holy Scriptures. They aren't just promises for someone somewhere, somewhere else, some other time. They are words written for you. Dear, fill in the blank. Love God. And today we're starting in this book of Philippians. In the book of Philippians, there's just so many eternal truths that the Lord desires to speak to you and speak to me. And preparation for this series, I've just been reading it every day. And it's a really short book, only four chapters. And so I've just been letting it kind of wash over me day after day after day. And as I read it, it's amazing how many times I've just felt like I've heard the Lord's voice just, just saying, Dan, come close. Dan, Dan, come close. Dan, draw near. Dan, pay attention. Dan, listen to what I have to say to you. I have a word for you, Dan. I have something to say to you, Dan. And do you know, I believe that's not just for me. I believe that's for every one of you in this room. He says, come close. Pay attention. Listen to me. I have a word for you today. So today I'm... Looking forward to the series, sharing some of these truths. We'll, we'll do it for a couple of months. I promise you not to go a couple of years like I do sometimes. But first, let's ask a question. Who wrote this letter to the Philippians? Who, who wrote this letter? So the church at Philippi. Paul writes this letter. He's the apostle, Paul. And, and it's as you read it, and as I've let, let it just speak over my life, it is impossible to overlook some certain just themes of the book. You see Paul... Just so full of joy, right? As you read this book, you see him so full of thanksgiving, a, a thankfulness for, for the people around him, but also to God. And you also see this just appreciation for people. And you see this encouragement from Paul. Now, the encouraging aspect of, of the letter to the Philippians, it's interesting because Paul isn't always so encouraging, is he? I, I don't know about you, but there's actually some um, pretty sharp words that Paul has to say to people. In fact, look in the book of Galatians. Paul, he hears that. In the book of Galatians, he writes this, he hears that some people, some of these leaders are actually telling the, these new converts, these new Christians, that they need to be circumcised to be Christians. And circumcision was a part of their Jewish faith, but they're saying, you know, we, we still got to follow some of these laws to be good Christians. So he's saying, you know, these people are saying, you got to get circumcised. Paul hears about this. Paul's not happy. <laughs> I mean, it fires up Paul. The, the thought, the thought that you would go back to what Jesus had just set you free from, 
It is for freedom that I've set you free. The freedom, the, the crucifixion, the sacrifice, all that Jesus did for you. And then you would pick up some of the things that you had before. It just riles up within Paul. I mean, you start reading Galatians, and he is just fired up. And this is what he said. He goes, okay, so yeah, you, you say that you need to be circumcised. Well, Galatians 5.12, as for those agitators, those people that, you know, say we should be circumcised, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. That's in the Bible. <laughs> Maybe we don't need to go into do, too much detail with what emasculate means. I mean, you could probably compare it to the word castrate. Does anyone know what the word castrate means? Ask a farmer, they'll tell you. I was in the agricultural program for a year at the University of Wyoming. We talked a lot about that, got to witness. Anyways, we're going into way too much detail. But do you hear it? Like, it's as if it is a verbal spanking from the Apostle Paul. I don't know if I'd like Paul, actually, to be honest, hanging out with him. Like, you can't say that to me, Paul. He'd say, yes, I can, by the power of God within me. (laughs) The Apostle Paul. But here, you don't see much of that in Philippians. He actually does talk about circumcision a little bit in this book. But you don't see a lot of that. You see this book of joy, finding joy in each other, finding joy in Christ. He mentions some form of joy or rejoicing or something along those lines 16 times in this letter. I want to encourage you, go home. Read the entire book and do it every day. So the next time we'll get together, seven days from now, read it seven times. Just four chapters will take you about 20, 25 minutes. And I want you to just begin to see this. See, see these themes. See these themes of joy and thankfulness and, and affection. And, and it's an affection and joy and thankfulness that, God, that Paul has towards God, but also towards the believers in Philippi. But as you read it, I, what I guess I would pray is that it would be more than just a historical text that you're reading. Like, wow, that's really neat that Paul... Love those believers in Philippi. Like, I, 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 I would, wow. I mean, what a waste, right? If, if we're just doing that, we might as well read about Napoleon or, or somebody else uh, from back in the day. But I would pray that as you read these four chapters by the Holy Spirit, you would realize that as much as Paul loved his audience 2,000 years ago, that God really loves us. That God is actually writing this to us. Again, it's hard to fathom, hard to comprehend, but eternal truths where he says, dear Dan, love God. So let's open up our Bibles to Philippians, and as we do, let's pray. Lord Jesus, illuminate your word today by your Holy Spirit. May it come alive. <laughs> I get so excited when I think of the gift it is, Lord, to open up your word, and to learn from your word. This is not a wasted time. Every moment here, Lord, of this body, it's so beautiful, Lord, to learn and to be changed by you. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, we're going to begin at chapter 1, but before we do, anyone remember, where did Paul write this letter from? Anyone remember? Prison, or maybe house arrest, jail. Now, I want you to think, I want you to hold on to that. I might have to bring that up every week. I just want you to put that in your back pocket because I want you to think about how positive, joy-filled, love-filled this letter is. And just remember, he wrote it from prison. I just wonder, not to condemn anyone in here, but I just wonder what some of your letters would look like and sound like if you wrote them from prison. Right? Come on, Philippians 4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. Where did he write that from, church? Prison. 
Prison. Are you kidding me? So open up the Philippians. Philippians, God eats popcorn. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, New Testament, Emily Faber, forever. I will know where the book of Philippians is because of you. God eats popcorn. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. She gave that to me, didn't charge me, hasn't copyrighted it, anything. Just bless you for that. It's hard. They're little books. You can get by them a little quick, but uh, just kind of go in there. God eats popcorn. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. We're going to do a verse by verse. By the way, that is my favorite way to preach. I could preach for the rest of my life just going scripture by scripture through the Bible. Um, really, nothing gets me going like that. But I'm excited. You guys excited? You guys excited? I'm excited. I can't wait. Philippians 1. Let's see what it says. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. What an opening. Some of you might remember I, when I started the book on Ephesians, he says grace and peace, and that's as far as I could get in my first sermon. I, I did a whole sermon just on two words. And, and I promise you that we're going to move a little bit further uh, in this series. But I kind of am tempted to stop there because it's pretty awesome. I mean, grace and peace. Are you kidding me? Grace and peace, they're the two elements, like oxygen and nitrogen. They're the elements that create the atmosphere, the environment of the Christian life. Grace and peace. In this room right now, don't you feel when you walk in the doors, the grace of God, the grace of others and the peace of God. In fact, just let's go ahead and do it. Turn to the person next to you and say grace to you. Now to the other person or if there is no other person, maybe to yourself and peace from God, our father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Peace to you, my lonely friend. From our God and Father to the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace. It's beautiful, isn't it? I love that. It, it, it kind of takes down walls, too. Sometimes I just go so fired up. I get ornery and stubborn and stuff that's just real fleshly. And when I start thinking of you know, grace and peace to you. Well, one, I start crying because I think about how bad I've treated you. But it just breaks down walls. I love that. Praise the Lord. All right. I thank my God in all circumstances of you, or in all remembrance of you, verse 3. Verse 4, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you, he will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it's my prayer that your love would abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Man, I'm excited about this. Let's read it again. I want to read it. I want us all to read it together and maybe we we just kind of kind of look for those eternal truths that would be for us today. Because again, Paul is writing to a specific church, right? To all these believers, the deacons and, and, and elders in Philippi. But we also know that God's word is eternal, is alive and active. And as much as he was speaking to them 2,000 years ago, do you not believe that God is speaking to us today? So read it. And just with that in mind, let's read it again. So read it with me. And, and it's kind of long. And, and first service, they kind of ran out of gas at around verse 8. So let's see if we can do a little better than that. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. 
And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. Wait, halftime. I get it. You're getting tired. It's all right. We just breathe a little bit. Okay, verse 8. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. Powerful. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. The glory and praise of God. So, so many eternal truths in there written from God to us. First one I want to highlight, and I'm going to try my best not to talk about everything, but just we're going to skip through some stuff here. First one I want to highlight is you are a partner in the gospel. He says, I thank my God in all remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. There were partners with Paul in the gospel. We are called to be partners in the gospel. Each one of us to be a partner in the gospel. God says today, I have chosen you. And it's not Pastor Dan. It's not just Jeremy or Emily or anyone else. It's actually you. To be a partner. I've chosen you to be a part of sharing the good news of my message of Jesus Christ. We have a role to play. I just wonder. I think about my life. How many years I just went to church again and again and again. Just really just... Thinking about what it was, what, what was in it for me, right? You know, how, how I could be blessed, how I could be filled up, how I could be encouraged, how my needs could be met. But once I realized that I was actually a part of what God was doing on this earth, that He actually wanted to use someone as broken and fragile and messed up as me to be a part of what He was doing, it changed everything. It changes everything, doesn't it? Any of you that feel like you're a partner in the gospel, it changes everything. When you go into the room, you go into the room differently, don't you? When you're hanging out with that person, the person that you can't, it, it feels different, doesn't it? When you're thinking that you're a partner in the gospel compared to just being, you know, Sally Sue or Dan, Danny, whatever. <laughs> right? It's it just, there's a difference. Like, hey, 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 I, I have a part to play here. What do I say matter? Grace and peace. That better be on, on my mouth, coming out of my mouth, on my lips. Grace and peace. There better be the love of God. Like, I have a part to play. This matters. Whether you're in a life group or serving at the church or in your office or at school or in your family, it matters. I'm a partner in the gospel. I have a part to play. And more specifically, what Paul's addressing in this statement is that they were partners financially. They were supporting Paul financially. They were doing their part. They were a part of releasing Paul to be able to do what Paul was called to do as a, an apostle. There's so many of you in this church who've taken this so seriously. It's one of my favorite things about being in, in, in LifeSpring. It's just the financial freedom that is in this place where you guys are partners. You are partnering with people. You are partnering with those that are spreading the name of Jesus through this world. I just heard about one of you. We had Emmanuel uh, 24, or no, Emmanuel Apia here a couple of weeks ago. And as he's told us, he has no money. Like he, he's just kind of living by faith. And one of you, the, heart, the Lord just tugged at your heart and, and the Lord said, you're supposed to pay his mortgage this month. And so I just talked to Emmanuel this week. 
Oh, my God, just completely crushed by the blessing of God in his life. That someone would partner with him in the ministry. Does that make sense? That he would partner with him. As a church, we support Eli Garman. He's a missionary in Belize. I was just talking to Eli this week. And a couple, like a month ago, they were celebrating Independence Day in Belize. And he was telling me all the things they're doing out there. We helped send Gina Britt to Australia and to China and Hong Kong. She's been gone for six months. She's coming back. She sent me an email. She goes, I can't wait to come back to your church and tell you about all the things that God has been doing. Shelly and David Midcalf, they've shared a couple of times here at the church. You know that several of us support them. You got Will Hughes down in Patagonia and many of us support him. Then you got our own Ryan and Tamara McIntyre who this today, like right now, are coming back from the airport because they've been gone for two weeks in Florida getting trained up to go down to Papua New Guinea with Wycliffe. It's just incredible. Think about Reverend Maxwell and LifeSpring Ghana and what we're doing over there and then what we're doing in our own community. We're partners in the gospel. But do you have that mindset? Do you believe you're a part of something bigger than yourself? A partner in the gospel, a partner in what God is doing in this community and in this world? Well, God would say, dear Jeremy or dear Emily, you're a partner in the gospel. Love God. And then Paul goes on to say, and I'm sure of this, that he began a good work and you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. I want to say that again. I'm sure this day he began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. What a promise from the Lord. Do you believe it? Do you believe this verse? We highlighted it because of the power that is in this verse. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. There is power. It can change your life. That verse can change your life. I've been married to Mary for 10 years and we've been going to counseling for 10 years. One of the defining moments in my life was when the counselor read that verse and he said, do you believe it? I said, yeah, of course I believe it. He said, well, you do believe it for your spouse. Do you believe it for your wife? Because don't you know that we all go to counseling not to change me, but to who? Change who? Change my spouse. (laughs) Right? It's always about the spouse. And then I hate counseling and stop going because I always feel like the counseling sessions are all about me and what I need to change. But I came for her! See, we all feel that way, by the way. Don't think you're unique in that. We all feel that way. But trusting in that verse about my wife, not just about myself, but about my wife, it changed my life completely. Because I came to realize that God really loves my wife. Like, He really loves her. Like, He actually likes her. He died for her. He lives in her. My wife is a beautiful human being, precious in the eyes of the Lord. As much as I love my wife, don't you know that God loves my wife so much more? And He started telling me that He was going to finish what He started in her. I'm telling you, it was a defining moment in our marriage. I stopped trying to change her. I stopped trying to get her to do this or to do that. Instead, I just started trusting the Lord with her. In fact, I released my wife back to God. Instead of me having like this weird, demented, you know, messed up mission, you know, to change my wife, I just released her and said, back, back to God. It was never mine to be in the first place. Back to you, Lord. And don't you know, don't you know, that God is faithful to finish what he started. The beautiful work that he's been doing in my wife. And part of that now is the work that he's been doing in me. He had to work on some just highly dysfunctional areas of my life. And you know what? Actually, some of the stuff that I was you know, going to counseling with arms folded and feet crossed and a frown on my face about, they actually started to change. As I stopped being such a nuisance to her and nagging her all the time, instead, I released her and I became one of her greatest supporters and one of her greatest encouragers. So do you believe that for your spouse? Also, do you believe that for your kids? That's a hard one, right? 
But do you believe that God really is their father? He is their loving father. He is Abba. He is daddy. That's a tough one. Because it breaks our hearts when we see what our kids are doing. But don't you know he is faithful to finish what he started? And believe it for yourself. I love what John Piper says about this verse. He says, he began a good work in you. Saving you. Beginning to make you more like Jesus. He's going to complete that work. He says, if you are in Christ and you've known this promise, you know how precious this promise is. God, by his unrivaled infinite power, will one day remedy everything wrong about you. Now you are counted perfect through faith in Jesus. Then you will be presented perfect. No sin, no shame, no guilt, no doubt, no fear, nothing broken about you. He writes, the promise is a safe word when Satan's lies try to seduce or shame you. It's a strong word in the midst of temptation. It's a hopeful word when we're confronted with our own sin and need. It's an unwavering word when all around us seems shaky and unsure. It's a comforting word in weakness or pain. It's an inspiring word when we need motivation to press on in the faith, working out our salvation. He says, Philippians 1.6 assures us of how it will all end for us. That our end will be good, beautiful, and holy before our God. Do you believe that? Kind of hard, right? Sometimes to believe that about ourselves because we know what we do and we know what we've said and we know where we've been. But it's this powerful promise from God. Reminds us. I, I need to be reminded of this often. That He's not done with me yet. <laughs> right? Because you're just like, God, just go away. Like, forget it. Obviously, whatever I thought was going to, I'm not working. So just throw me away and move on. But he's still there. He doesn't. He's just like, no, like I'm faithful to finish what I started, and I'm not done with you yet. Anyone else need to be reminded of that? Yeah, Amen. See, so many of us we allow Satan to define us by our sin, and so we just stay in that pit, right? The shame, the guilt, the condemnation. But we've got to remember, right now, we are counted perfect through faith in Jesus, meaning we are righteous, justified as though we had never sinned because of Jesus Christ and the sacrifice, all sins forgiven. And one day we're going to be presented perfect before our Lord. We've got to remember he is doing something beautiful in us. We've got to remember that when he stepped back and he looked at us, what did he say? He says, it is, well, he said, it is good. When he made you, oh, it is finished sounds delicious too, but he said, it is good. Do you believe that about yourself? Are you kidding me? The things I say to myself and think about myself when I look at myself in the mirror. Lies compared to what God says when he sees me. Church, you gotta, you got to come to grips with this. He's got a hold of you. If you're a Christian here this morning, he's got you by the hand. You are his and he is yours. He's doing a work in you. Yeah, you're on the potter's wheel and yeah, it doesn't feel pleasant at times. Even sometimes it feels painful. But don't you know that he's doing it for your good? Don't you know he's faithful to finish what he started? And he doesn't make junk. And if you hold on, if you hold on, if you endure, if you persevere, you're actually going to see that God is holding on to you, by the way. But if you do this, he is faithful. His promises endure forever. His promise is this, that he's going to complete the work that he started in you. If you believe, I'm telling you, if you believe that about yourself, and if you believe it about those around you, it will change everything. So dear Dan, dear Catherine, dear Karen, dear Carol, I'm going to finish what I started in you. Love God. I'm going to keep on going here, but it is so hot in here. If we could just thank you. I mean, I'm burning extra calories and weight's been an issue lately. I mean, that's all good. Here he says, he says, 
Man, thank you, Paul, for writing this. He says, it is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. Now, we don't really use that word yearn very much anymore. Like, if I was like, man, Jeremy, I just really yearn for you today. Like, I just yearn for you. You'd be like, okay, so I'm applying for other jobs because you're a freak. But, so yeah, we don't use yearn very much. Man, I'm just yearning for you lately. Just like such a yearning. Like, get away from me, Pastor Dan. So we don't use that word very much. But you got to just think of it as like really intense. Like, yearn on the scale of love. Like, yearning. Right? It's up there. So I'm yearning with you, all with the affection of who? Of Christ Jesus. So much I could say about this portion of Scripture, but we're just going to keep on plugging away. So look at the truth. God is writing you. He says, God is my witness how I yearn for you with all the affection of Christ Jesus. That is saying that Paul is so united with Christ. And this is hard for us to understand, but think about this. So united with Christ that he fills with the heart of Christ and he loves with the love of Christ. And Paul is admitting here that the love of Christ is really high. Kind of what I was talking about, the yearning. It's, it's a love that is pretty intense. I yearn for you. Paul is describing this love, and, and he's trying, and I think words are failing him, but all he can say is that he yearns for them, that it's so intense, it's so amazing, so unbelievable, that the love comes from Christ Jesus himself. And so he's kind of letting the cat out of the bag that there's a promise here that God about God that we really need to grab, and Paul's trying to emphasize it as well, that Jesus, God, Holy Spirit, they really, 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 really love you. That's a truth we need to hold on to today. Dear so-and-so, I love you. Love God. <laughs> I mean, church is like, that's all we talk. We talk about love all the time. And yet I can hang out with Christians who have been Christians for 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years and still struggle with the love of God. And it breaks my heart because... If you can't get to a place, and I get it too, I, I have my own processing with it all. But what's hard about that is if we can't get the foundation of the fact that God loves us, then everything that's built on top of that's pretty shaky, isn't it? And it all can just kind of come tumbling, come, you know, come tumbling down. I, I was thinking about that too because I was like, man, how many times can we sing a song like He Loves Me or Oh How He Loves Me or whatever song, and yet we've not allowed that song to change our hearts. And I, I was thinking about that like, God... It has to be more than a song. It has to be your Holy Spirit. There must be a, it has to be a change by your Holy Spirit where you actually get in there. We're actually open to what you'd want to do to where we would say, you know what? I don't feel worthy. I don't feel like I deserve it. I've done nothing to earn it, but I receive your love. And if that's you today, if you're struggling with the love of God over you, I just pray by the Holy Spirit in this moment with the grace and the peace that is in the atmosphere that you would be able to receive the love of God that he has for you. Because he really, really, really loves you. Amen. You know, I was celebrating my 10-year anniversary with my wife in San Diego last week. So fun. I went crazy. I totally did not do uh, Dan Burst kind of stuff. I, I got a convertible, uh, which I cannot, I don't care anything about cars. I could care less about cars. But my wife gave a little hint like, hey, are we going to maybe get a convertible? And of course, then all I'm thinking like, oh, I got to get a convertible. So I got a convertible. And, and of course, she thinks I'm going to the SUV. And then I'm like taking the right. And then she's like, what? Oh, my God, let's break it out. Facebook. So anyways, it was so fun. I was so happy. Uh, just was able to bless my wife with that. But 
we're kind of cruising around. We go stop at SeaWorld, having fun over there, watching the pet show. Uh, and in the pet show, they had 23 cats. And for some of you, the word cats is a four-letter swear word. I get that. Uh, but, but here's these cats. And if you know I have two cats, you can go and put them up there. We got Elsa and we got Rascal. And, and these 23 cats, here's what they did. They actually were able to train the cats. The cats were actually doing some tricks. And so if you guys know me, if you're close friends to me, you would know what am I thinking about the whole time that I'm at the show. How I can train my cat. I'm just like, oh man, Elsa and <laughs> Rascal, watch out. We're, we're coming home. And of course, I couldn't train my dog when I had a dog, so how am I going to train a cat? But anyways, then I get into the car afterwards and we're, we're going around and we're listening to a podcast of uh, one of my radio shows that I le- listen to called Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me on NPR. It's a really fun news quiz show. And they tell me, as, mu- as hard as this was for me to listen to, but they tell me that cats do not love. Trevin was in first service, and he heard that, and he's like, no, like, my cat loves me. I was like, sorry, Trevin, they don't, no, but, and he shows that picture. I go, Trevin, it's in the kitchen. They're just looking for food. He goes, but, he's like, this was during first service. He goes, but they sleep in my bed with me. I go, no, Trevin, they're just looking for warmth. And he was like, no. It was, we were having like a crisis in the middle of first service. It was, it was awesome. So it's kind of funny. It's also kind of sad when you really think about it. As the song says, we search for love in all the wrong places, right? Looking for love in a couple of cats who <laughs> could care less about us, right? You know how cute my cat is? I had a foot-long tapeworm in the kitchen floor last week. But they could care less about you, and yet, there I am, trying to get my cat with the tapeworm to love me. And it's funny that we do that. We all do that, and some of it's cats, some of it's, you know, I'm not going to name anything, I don't want to judge anybody, but we have all these things that we try to get love out of. When the whole time, that verse tells us that Jesus Christ is yearning for us. There's this affection of Jesus Christ. Ephesians 3, verse 19, Paul says it pretty well. He says, may you experience the love of Christ. Listen to this. He says, that is too great to understand. That's pretty amazing. He's saying that the love of Christ is too great to understand fully. It's deep. 
It's deep. In church, it's the truth. God has affection and love for us. Dear Pete, dear Colby, he would say, I love you. Love God. I think that's an important one to ask. Do you believe that today? So then he writes, it's my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent. So be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Verse 11, that you'd be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Do you see that promise from God to you? That through Jesus Christ, this is a promise for you today, you are filled with the fruit of righteousness. If you go back to verse 9, Paul says, It's my prayer that your love may abound more and more. Your love would abound more and more. So where does that love come from, by the way? That love would come from God. We just talked about in the fruit of the Spirit. As the Spirit is in you, the Spirit is growing in you. What's the first fruit of the Spirit? Or first thing he mentions? Love. And so as the Spirit is in you, as God is in you, love grows within you. And he's saying, may that love grow and grow and grow, abound more and more and more within you. As you grow in your love for God, as you grow in the love that comes from God, I want you to hear this. And this is really important that we understand this as Christians. As that love of God, the Spirit of God that's residing within us and His love grows within us, we actually change. That is how we change. See, today, if you've come here today and you want to be changed, you want to be transformed to become more like Jesus, and I would say most of us do, well, the strategy for change isn't to try harder. Have you ever tried that one? Like, I'm just going to really try to be like Jesus. And you do it for like two, three days, and then the fourth day you don't, and then you're right back into the guilt and shame and condemnation and all those kinds of things. Trying to do a bunch of good things for God or trying hard, that's, that's not actually going to do much for you. If you want to be changed, then you must wholly surrender to God. Fall on your knees. Just completely be laid bare before the Lord and allow His love to just begin to wash over you. His love to flow over you. His love to cover you, to fill you, to envelop you. His love. And as His love grows within you, as His Spirit has His way in you, and you grow in the fruit of the Spirit, and the fruit of the Spirit of love just begins to grow more and more and more, what you begin to see is that you are actually beginning to be transformed. You are changing. And this is scary to say, but it's the truth if you actually believe the Scriptures, that as the Spirit grows within you more and more and the love of God grows within you more and more, the things that you say and do look a lot like the things that God would say and do. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. Even Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. Love would change us. As God's love has permission in your life, you are changed. I'm changing. I'm, I'm changing a lot, church. <laughs> a, a lot. I, I, and it's hard when you change because people still define, you know, define you by who you were, but I'm just not the same. God is wrecking me. He's breaking my heart for what breaks His. And we change. And, and as we change, and I'm not saying I'm perfect. Like I just, you know, I, I'm making mistakes left and right. But I'm changing. And as you change, you're able to approve what is excellent and to be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Well, that one gets my brain going. Pure and blameless. That's in Scripture. How can I be pure and blameless? I mean, I might be changing. And yes, I'm changing. And hallelujah for that. But how in the world could I ever be pure and blameless? I mean, just grab some popcorn and a Coke and watch the film of what I've done over the last year. Pure? No. Blameless? Not a chance. 
Well, then what's up? Let's read it again. It's my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent. So be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. We got to understand a couple of things. Number one, God is faithful to finish what he started. He's not done with you yet. He's going to complete the good work he started. But two, you got to see this. You will be blameless. You will be pure for the day of Christ, but not because of what you have done. Yes, you are being changed. Yes, you are being transformed, but it's still all because of Jesus. You got to understand this as a Christian, being pure and blameless, it only comes from what? It comes from His righteousness in you. Verse 11, the righteousness you have that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. As a Christian, you are now righteous. Ah, it feels weird just saying, right? I mean, what does it mean to be righteous? To be righteous as though you had never sinned. To be pure, to be clean, to be holy. But Ecclesiastes 7.20, we all have it written on our mirror, right? And it says this, it says, There is no one on earth who is righteous. No one who does what is right and never sins. Well, then what's up? Jesus is up. Jesus came to this earth. He lived a perfectly righteous life. Perfect life. A perfect life. And guess what? He actually did it for you. That's, again, the part that just blows our minds. We can't completely figure it out, but he knows you by name. He did it for you. He lived the perfect life. He died the perfect death, the perfect sacrifice, the perfect Lamb of God who was slain for our sins. And this is where it gets absurd and incredibly awesome. 2 Corinthians 5.21. Just listen to this. God made him, Jesus Christ, who had no sin, like no sin, perfect. He made him Sin for us so that in him, in Jesus Christ, we might become what? Say it with me. The righteousness of God. Oh! Ah! Like, like sometimes I'll just read verses and be like, yeah, no, cool, and whatever, and yeah, and like just this arrogant pridefulness. But that should make you fall on your knee. Are you kidding me? He who was no sin became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. But there, you know, God, what I've done, and I said, and I did, and oh! But the righteousness of God, the holiness, cleanness, the purity, the beauty of His righteousness, that His righteousness is now in me. That should do something to us. Uh, one thing that makes me want to start trying to earn it, right? <laughs> well, I'll do a bunch of really good things to show you that I can be righteous. There's nothing you could do to be righteous on your own. Nothing. It is His righteousness. Isaiah, it's Isaiah, right? He says that your righteousness is as filthy rags. When he's talking about filthy rags, he's talking about the rags that women use during that time of the month. That is what your righteousness is outside of Jesus Christ. But with Jesus Christ, you are filled with the fruit of righteousness. <sighs> oh, God. We, we were not righteous. We were sinners deserving death. Punishment for our sins. And Jesus came in. He lived the righteous life. And now we live with Him in our lives. We invite Him to say, Lord, be my Savior and be my Master. And He comes in and He takes away the punishment we deserve. Instead, He washes us clean. He forgives us of our sins. And we become righteous. Did you know that? If you're a Christian here this morning, did you know that you are righteous? Did you know that? Some of you are just like, I, don't, I, I can't even handle that, Dan. But Romans 5, 1, it tells us that you've been justified through faith, meaning you've been justified, meaning declared righteous as though you had never sinned in faith. So when you put your faith in the death of Jesus Christ on the cross, if you're a Christian here this morning, you need to hear this, that you are righteous. In fact, if we could all just say that I am righteous, say it with me. I am righteous. Feels kind of weird, doesn't it? 
feels almost wrong. Like, but you don't know, Dan. But you don't know. But you don't. I know. But I know what Jesus did. I know what Jesus said. I know what happened on that cross. And because of what happened on that cross, and because of the Holy Spirit in you right now today, you can say, I am righteous. Say it with me. I am righteous. Oh, God. Philippians 1.11. Because you, you, Pete, you, Bobby, you, Nick, you are filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Dear Holly Harden, because of the Son's death on the cross, you are declared righteous. Love God. What a letter to be written to each one of us. To the glory and praise of God. When you just start thinking of what it means to be righteous with all the things that I've done, with all the shortcomings, the mistakes, the wrongs, the sins that I have done, that I am righteous. Why? Because I'm filled with the righteousness of God and the righteousness of Christ and He's working on you. He's not done with you in Christ. It's Christ, by the way, the hope of glory, not you. He's changing you, making you pure and blameless. The byproducts of living a life of Christ's righteousness are inside of you. Isn't that amazing? The purity and the blamelessness and all that. That's because of Christ and who He is. It's His breath. Right? We just sang about His breath. It's about His Spirit. His Spirit coming in. Our response to all of what He's doing, all of His Spirit and His breath coming in, our response from the gut, from the very belly of who we are, is praise. All glory and honor and praise to you, God. All glory and honor and praise to you, God. Because of your righteousness in me, where I knew sin. I knew, I am a, I mean, I know sin, but He who knew no sin became sin for me that I could be the righteousness of God. Oh, glory to you, God. Oh, glory to you, God. Praise your name. You, God. It's you, God. I'm filled with the fruit of righteousness. The freedom that comes from your spirit. Oh, the breath that I can take that is pure and blameless and clean. Hallelujah. To praise his name. I don't want to freak you out, but man, the tongues is all on on the place right now. I'm just, hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. And if you've never received Christ into your life as your Lord and Savior, if you know in this moment that you're not righteous, that you're living in your sins, that you've never experienced the forgiveness of your sins, never had your sins washed clean, you want to experience true forgiveness, to be declared righteous as though you had never sinned. Today is your day. Jason, I'll never forget in that dorm room in the University of Wyoming, when I was praying for him and praying that he would receive the Lord, Jesus as Lord and Savior. And, and he talked about this weight, this heavy weight that was on his shoulders. But that when he prayed to the Lord, that burden was lifted. And he's been on a process ever since then for the last 15 years. Don't you know we're all in process? But something happened. The old was gone. The new has come. As John 3 tells us, he was born again. He was now a new creation. And if you, if you just know you have that weight, here's a man, I, yeah, there's nothing I could do or say that would get me into a right place with God. God would say right now, because of his love over you, he'd say, I've already got that taken care of. There's a way to get to me, and his name is Jesus. And if that's you, I want to pray for you, but I want to know who you are. So just raise your hand real high so everyone in this room can see you. And we're going to pray for you, and then we're going to freak out and celebrate God and celebrate you? Anybody? Now, I know you raised your hand back there, but I just want to encourage you. You are my sister in Christ. 
You are a part of the body. You are loved by God. You are cherished by God. He knows you. You are valuable to Him. There is worth in your life. And anything other than that is a lie from the pit of hell. Oh God. Lord, we just pray that your truth would reign in this place. Oh God. Oh God, I just think of all the areas that we we just wander. There's just a wandering. And yet there is your love, your affectionate love that yearns for your kids. And Lord, I pray in this moment, not tomorrow, but in this moment, as your kids, we could turn back to you, God. We could turn back to you, Jesus. You do not come here to make fun of us or to condemn us or to shame us. You come here to bring freedom. And I pray, Lord, that these truths, these eternal truths that you've written for us right now, not just for this time period, but for this moment in this sanctuary, you have written these words for us to remind us that we are partners in the gospel, to remind us that you are faithful to complete what you started in us, that as much as we might think we're junk, you say, I do not make junk, and you are here to make us pure and blameless, the righteousness of God on display and within each one of us, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that we would hear loudly, Lord, loudly, Lord, our name spoken, our name, where you would say, I love you. I love you. Lord, speak, to, speak that to each one of us, Lord. And Lord, we pray over every empty seat in this room today, Lord, for those that are trying their hardest. The more people I meet, Lord, in this world, there's some really good people who are trying really hard. And I just pray that your truth would be revealed in their lives. That your love would just shine into the darkness, Lord. That you'd put your arms, your loving arms around people, Lord. And show them another way. Show them a better way. And Lord, any part that we can play in that, God, as a church, help us to play that part. Whether it's in our business, whether it's in our school, whether it's in our family, Lord. Help us, Lord, to just begin to love you, God. To begin to love you, but also to receive your love. And that we grow more and more just abound more and more in your love. Help us, Jesus. Help us, Jesus. Help us, Jesus. Praise you, God. You're so real in this place this morning. It's so good.